everybody. Welcome to the podcast once again today, Catch Up After College Season 3, Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things, and who other than this amazing person here with us today. She is a creative director and entertainer, lifestyle coach, but most importantly, my awesome cousin, it is Mari Red here with us today. What's good, while going? What's up, y'all? What's happening? What's cracking? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, let's go. Hey everybody, welcome to the Catch Up After College podcast, catching up after college on the lessons of life lived by leaders. We're safe space grounded in grace and our aim's always to aid. We may be post-graduation, but we're never post-education. I'm Isaiah Brown, your host. Thank you for tuning in today. Season three, Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things. And today we have my cousin, the marvelous Marielle, here with us today. What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Yeah, we're just talking. It was a pretty busy day today for you, wasn't it? You had another podcast you were just on? Yes, I was with the Blackboard. We were talking about the Brianna Taylor murder case. Very, very intense. You guys should get into it. Yeah, that's super intense for sure. And um, yeah, hopefully the right thing comes out of that somehow. I don't, uh, yeah, that's a whole nother discussion. But yeah, keep in your prayers and thoughts and petitions whatever you can do to make things better but yeah um i guess we're gonna keep it light after that but hey how do you transition out of that but it's real we gotta talk about it but um yeah yeah so you're a dancer right how long you've been dancing for uh well let me let me just say to say this i used to be a dancer Mm -hmm. that's all i go by but now I go by an entertainer because I do more than just dance so I choreograph I produce I direct I model I act um, I write music I produce music so I do a lot of stuff within the art field mm-hmm. um, within the entire realm of entertainment not just dance but to still answer your question though I've been dancing since I was two professionally since I was nine so this year with 15 years that I've been doing this professionally which is like you know dope I love it yeah that's awesome and I love that you expanded that to entertainer like um me and a friend of mine were talking about like Jamie Foxx and Childish Gambino how they're not just one thing you're known for many things so I love that you're doing that yeah but we're going to talk about dancing for a little bit that's cool for you (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. so a quick game for you i'm gonna name off a couple of dances and you tell me if it's overrated or underrated oh (laughs) okay (laughs) somebody feels may get hurt but it's okay come on (laughs) no be real it's all good but um all right guess we'll go with the first one uh thriller oh no Thriller underrated, underrated. Like that, that was a movie. Michael Jackson was brilliant for putting that together. Now, granted, once upon a time, I couldn't watch that, you know, music video all the way through because it used to give me nightmares when I was a kid. So my mama told me to go to bed as soon as that came on, especially around the time of Halloween. 
Mm -hmm. Oh no, it was a dud dud. Like I was scared for my life. But I can say this: in high school, they had me perform as Michael Jackson, and in college, they had me perform as Michael Jackson. Both times in both competitions, we won first place. So you know what I'm saying? Thriller. That's awesome. I didn't know you had a history with that dance. That's pretty cool. Oh yeah, that history is really close. Like Michael Jackson is my first like as far as entertainers it was him and then it was Aaliyah like both of them I adored both of them as far as their whole approach to the entertainment industry it was just like every single music video was like a movie like you Mm. were staying up as a kid to make sure that you watched BT, MTV, VH1 to see whatever music video was coming out like they made sure that they had dancing like you know it's just like it was it was so it was so beautiful I'm sorry we can go about this all day but yeah (laughs) No, it's good to talk about. Like, um, I think about that <clears throat> nowadays. Like, you look for entertainers who have the like the whole picture. They could dance, they can sing, they can create. But um, yeah, you don't. I don't feel like you see that as much often nowadays. What about what do you think? You don't. Um, music videos now is it's all it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I already know how the plot of the music video is going to come out. You're going to see a whole bunch of cars, flash cars. And you're going to see half naked ass women. And then you're going to see somebody with a fat ass chain rapping. Yeah. And you're going to see somebody with some gold teeth. And then you're going to see some type of money falling on the ground. And then you're going to hear something about some, oh yeah, I get some pussy. Yeah, you get this, like, it's just like, I already know how it's going to go. So it's mm-hmm. like, I don't even find an interest in watching music videos anymore. The few people nowadays, I can say like music videos been popping. Lil Baby, mm-hmm. his, you know, uh, I think it's called Black and White. Mm-hmm. That music video was nice. Um, <laughs> Drake, he does a very good job with his music videos. He's just like a very comedic person. Chris Brown, for sure. Music mm-hmm. videos, almost always on point. Yeah. Um, let me see, Sierra, she's still... Sierra and Miss Delia, they still come out with like really good music videos. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, who surprised me was Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion with they. Oh, the new the, video. Yeah, they knew it was very, very visually interesting to watch. I can't mm-hmm. say that it was a lot of colors. It was a lot of like morph stuff going on in the video. I was just like, oh, okay, y'all put a lot of thought into it. So that yeah. was that was interesting for sure. Yeah, definitely. And dang, we only got through the first dance, but I guess I'll just do like two more. But um, okay, <laughs> it's all good. Uh, single ladies. Now, some people are gonna not like what I have to say about single ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the choreography. I enjoyed the choreography of single ladies. Mm-hmm. However, where the dynamic of single ladies, where you had the three people in the leotards, that was dumb before. I didn't like how a lot of people were trying to give, you know, say that, you know, Beyonce started this whole trend of being in leotards. Like she, for that album, she was in leotards majority of the whole time, but she, she got that from somewhere else. I have to look that up, mm-hmm. um, but I know who got it from. It's just really, it's the tip of the tongue effect that's happening right now. I know who it is, but I can't really say it. But it's been done before. So I just I just want people to give credit when it's due, not just because this person has a very big name mm-hmm. and a big crown on their head, you know what I'm saying, that she was mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, she, she started. 
Nah, son. She didn't. Just like people give Michael Jackson credit for the moonwalk. He mm-hmm. just emphasized it. He just made it public. But the moonwalk happened before Michael Jackson. So it's mm-hmm. like you really got to do your research with the world of dance and the history wow. of dance. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's great. I did not know that. But now we know. Yeah. And I got to end it on this one. You might get mad at me. Uh, crank that, soldier boy. <laughs> you know what? I just had a conversation with my coach the other day about soldier boy and this whole crank that like he he created a whole face mm-hmm. when just as soon as crank that soldier boy came out he was doing crank that batman crank that spider-man crank that spongebob like everybody mm-hmm. was trying to crank something ain't yeah. care what it was but he was trying to crank something and I, i'm just like that was that was that was a genius move that mm-hmm. was a genius move granted like it was like a shuffle you know what i'm saying it was a modern yeah. shuffle that was going on everybody was trying to create their own thing like soldier boy he 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 did his thing with that. I ain't even gonna lie. And then a lot of other artists, you know, then and now give him credit where they'll like quote some of his lyrics in in the songs. So that's yeah. I, I, I Jay crank that. It definitely was a very pivotal moment of my childhood as far as that whole season of crank that dances that came out. I appreciate it a lot. Yeah. And we're just speaking about Beyonce, even she quoted him in um what song was that? Was it Lemonade? Yeah, where she said, turn my swag on. Oh, Hold Up, I think it was. was hold it? Up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hold up, and I'm here like I love you. Slow down. Yeah, that one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Man, awesome. That's great stuff. I know we're just jumping in, but um, you mind telling us where you're from and can describe what your life was like before college? Yes. So I am from the west side of Chicago, K-Town Shorty, you know what I'm saying? Period. Uh, (laughs) And what my life was like before college, can you specify that question? Because I could say different aspects of what my life was like prior to college. I just want to know in what realm were you speaking of? Pretty much whatever you're comfortable in sharing. So um, like... It could be life at home, life at school, what you did outside of school, any of that. Okay. Um, so life at school before college, it was very structured. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we just had to have that structure. Being that it's, it's four of us in the household, being raised by a single parent, you know what I'm saying? Because my father was murdered when I was younger. So she had to deal with, my mother had to deal with a lot as far as with us in school. Every single last one of us was very active as far as sports go. Somebody was in the track, on the track team. Somebody was on the volleyball team. Somebody was on the basketball team. Somebody was on the baseball team. At some point, all of us was on the baseball team. We was doing karate. We was doing so many different sports. On top of that, we were in the academic programs within the school. Like I was in uh, decathlon. I was in, um, if that's what it's called, or is it, what is it called? Is it called a Kathleen? It's like a, a educational Olympics of some sort. Like I was in there, I was in the spelling bee. Like my siblings, they were in a robotics competition. So they was like, it was a lot of academic uh, programs that we were a part of. So it was like very, very busy. So how we grew up too were, was if, your grades wasn't on point. Oh, no, you couldn't be on no type of sports. You couldn't be on no type of other activities or whatever. Mm-hmm. That killed me. And I'm explaining how. Why? Because some of the is like, you know, 
through so much pressure to get your grades on point number one. I went to a select enrollment school. I went to Westhouse. And um, Uncle Sheldon, he's actually a, a Western House alum as well, right? Hey, shout out, Dad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my mom is a West House alum. My uncle is a Western House alum. And then my baby sister, she was about to be a Western House alum. So Western House alum, uh, alumni is very strong rooted within the family. But they had, they were very, very strict on, you know, if your academics wasn't okay, you couldn't be involved in extracurriculars. However, I can say what I've noticed was within the football and like basketball team, they let some of the players slide because mm. they were so, you know, but that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> um, but as far as my mama goes, she didn't care if the teacher was going or the coach was going to let me slide or not. If my grades wasn't on point, she was taking me off the dance team. She hurt my soul. Hurt mm. my soul. Like I want to run away. So <laughs> <laughs> she said, I couldn't, I wanted to run away. It was over with. Um, couldn't be on the track team no more, couldn't be on the baseball team no more. So we were very strict with that. So like that home transition to that very close-knit family, like we was always making funny videos, silly videos with each other, me and my siblings, and then we got mom into it. Um, so it was like, it was, everybody was just comfortable being their silly self. We always support each other. We had a big buffet cabinet full of trophies and, you know, placards and certificates. So it was just a very warm, loving upbringing that I had growing up. However, outside of all that, we were met with the extremities as far as police brutality, neighborhood violence, um, colorism, racism, sexism. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah, it was a lot. So going yeah. home from school, going home from being outside, dealing with other extracurriculars, it was, it was refreshing because is it reminded me like no matter what the world's telling you, I'm telling you that you're welcome and that you're loved and that you have value. Mm, that's awesome. Long response, but yeah. <laughs> no, that's good, and I love your siblings. Well, well, they're my cousins too. Yeah, but um, <laughs> how was it like growing up in a house full of creatives? Because they all had their own creative ventures. It was it was the most fun thing ever because of the simple fact that you'll ask one of us a question and we will all interpret that question in a totally different way. So you mm -hmm. will never know what to expect when you ask us something. They'll be like, okay, well, how would you draw this? And I would draw one way. My brother would draw a totally different way. My sisters would draw a totally different way. And it's like, dang, it's so dope how the mind works, how mm -hmm. the mind, like based off of your experience, based off of your genetic makeup, how your mind configures to make this thought into a thing and put it on paper. So it was just dope. When we made funny videos, like we reenacted the three little pigs and the big bad wolf. We reenacted like, you know, Snow White and, you know, Seven Dwarves. We reenacted so many different fairy tales and we made it our own, which was fun because we put our own personality into it. Um, every single morning going to school, my dad would make sure that the family said these daily affirmations. So that way we already knew in our mind, like this is the goal set for the day. This is the mindset that I should have to accomplish all my goals for the rest of the day. So we put our own little, you know, funny voice impersonations on it. Like if, if the affirmation said, I'm going to do great today, today is going to be a good day, everything's going to be okay. Something simple like that, it's hypothetical. I would say like, I'm going to have a great day today, everything's going to be okay. Like I'll say it like that, and my brother, he was like, I'm going to have a great day today, everything's about to be okay. Or then my mom comes back. 
we about to have a good day today. Like, so everybody would just have their own thing and it would just be a, a breath of fresh air before going into school. And mm-hmm. we was just like pump. It made us pump. So, um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's never a dull moment with any of us. Mm-hmm. Never a dull moment. So that's, that's what I can say. That's awesome. And this is a bit more of a serious question. So can you recall a season of having to learn new skills or adapt to your environment to survive? Is this post-college or during college? Um, we could do during college. Okay. Um, I've actually had two seasons. Well, no, I can say those seasons was conjoined. When I became the first Black orientation student coordinator for the new student programs, um, the new student programs, uh, office at my school I was also pledging to become a Delta at the same time so I'm not gonna lie that was one of the most challenging experiences I've ever had to deal with mm-hmm. because of the simple fact that when you are the first black anything you understand that walking into that system everything is for white people the white mm-hmm. people approach. Um, there's not so much room for um, elbow room for creativity to happen, for things to change. Yeah. And then pledging, I also had to understand like, okay, sisterhood is defined differently in some cultures. On top of that, um, it just challenged my organizational skills. It challenged how to be in a space of just women, you know, mm-hmm. and me being the young lady that I am, I grew up with majority of guy best friends. I can count on one hand how many female best friends that I've had just because with guys, you you already know, either you, you want to have relations with me or you genuinely want to be my friend. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was always comfortable having guy friends. So being in an organization full of women, that's all I had to interact with damn near for X amount of time, very, very challenging. On top of having to deal with a whitewashed system where, you know, it wasn't that much attention paid to um, cultural diversity. It wasn't much attention given to different backgrounds, like people who come from the city of Chicago, like the actual city of Chicago versus suburbs of Chicago versus any other outskirts of Chicago or any other states around Chicago, like they weren't really introduced to that. So doing both of those at the same time, when I tell you that was a mental struggle within itself, however, I am happy to say that I've gone past that and achieved the goal of being able to balance both, being able to balance being a black woman amongst other black women and also the challenge of being a black woman amongst Asians, white people, just them you know and creating and creating being in charge of creating a curriculum being in charge of creating a system of programs so that way incoming students students who just graduated from high school into college they feel welcome majority mm-hmm. of the people that i dealt with in orientation student coordinator were people who looked like me who was not used to a big 10 university who was not used to being 
away from home. They weren't used to that at all. So seeing a face like me and in the position that I had of power, that definitely made a lot of students feel comfortable. To this day, a lot of those students to this day tell me, hey, you made a big influence on my transition to college. I still consider you a mentor of mine. So that that just plays a big deal. So um, and then once they found out that I was pledging, um or that i had pledged delta after i had crossed it was like oh my god this makes so much sense now like you know so it just it just worked hand in hand yeah that's great i love how you turned around that experience to help other people how do you feel like um are there any other experiences in life where you feel like you've entered into it and you wanted to leave it better than when you came in almost definitely after I graduated, um, after I graduated college in 2018 with my master's, I had a rough transition back to Chicago. Um, and I say rough because I wasn't planning on going back to Chicago after I got my master's. I was really planning on either staying in Champaign, Illinois, or I was planning on moving somewhere else other than Chicago. But I, unfortunately, I was in a car accident, a very bad car accident, and it just made it where I had to finish the rest of my um last few classes in chicago mm -hmm. so you had that but soon thereafter like maybe a couple months later i was able to be hired to be a dance instructor for the university of chicago woodlawn campus and their carter g campus when i came into that school isaiah let me tell you <laughs> them kids mm, 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 mm. They were, they were something else. It was something yeah. else. I was like, never have I ever. Mind you, it was an all-black school. I've mm. never been to an all-black school, but I've heard stories about all-black schools. The, and it was true when I walked in. The funding, not as good. Mm -hmm. The support, not as good. Mm -hmm. um, just the whole curriculum approach, it wasn't, in my opinion, it wasn't good. So I made a vow that by the time I was done teaching them within that school year they would have had a different mindset of how to go about education how to continue their education and how to respect the educators within that field nice. so when i came into the program i changed the whole curriculum i changed how they how they even went from class to class like you not coming into my class unless y'all are lined up and y'all stop talking and y'all respectfully address any instructor that walked past y'all like it's a whole different, it's a whole different thing. And I, I didn't appreciate how the administration talked so bad about my students. My mm -hmm. whole thing is you're reinforcing that behavior. They know that that's all you see them to be anyway is some bad kids. Mm -hmm. I see you guys as more than beat the system, beat, beat the expectation. Y'all yeah. are young kings and queens in training. So at this point, y'all might as well say that y'all are young princes and princesses. So act like it, adjust your crown properly and move like it. By the time the end of, some, the, end of the year came, all, every single person in the administration looked at me like, Dag, she did that. Yes, I did. Yes, wow. I did. Y'all not going to keep disrespecting these kids. And at the end of the day, it's like, they're not getting support. That, some of the students are not getting the support that they need from the household. Mm -hmm. So they at least should get that from y'all, considering that they come into y'all's school. They didn't ask to come to this school, but y'all asked to come, y'all asked to work for this school. So it should be a different approach on how y'all talking to these students. So when I tell you the type of curriculum I created for them really inspired me to just build my own educational system and build my own school in the future, I really want to have my own school. And because like 
it's just so messed up. Like they have it where the kids, if the kid doesn't do something right, oh no, it's still past them. Mm, what? That's not good. You're, you're doing more of a damage. You're doing more of a disservice to them. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. So then when they get into high school, they don't know how to read at a high school level and they're still reading on a fifth grade level. Whose mm-hmm. fault is that? It's not theirs. Because you pretty much told them that it was okay. So mm-hmm. that I say all that to say that is one very big thing that I've um, made sure that I tried to do post-college where I changed the system prior to me leaving. Like I, I just, I just had to, I just had to. Yeah. Wow. And do you think um, them being able to see a successful black woman as their teacher that helped them in ways that, uh, you know, having someone teach them who doesn't look like them uh, wouldn't have helped them as much? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. And that's a very good point that you brought up because majority of the teachers within that school system were white. Mm. But you're teaching all black schools. So my whole thing is, how dare you try to tell me anything about history? You don't even know my history. Mm. How dare you try to teach me anything about the culture of black people and you're not even black? That's mm-hmm. an oxymoron, son. That don't even make sense to me. Go ahead and have several seats because at this point, you're not equipped to do this job. Like, mm-hmm. no. And you wonder why the kid's looking at you upside your head because it's like, yeah, they paid you to say this, didn't they? You know what I'm saying? Like, this yeah. ain't even coming from the heart. Like, this ain't even, this ain't, this don't even sound genuine. But when they had someone like me who, like, I studied this, I lived this, I literally eat, breathe, sweat, cry, and I li- this is all me. Yeah. And you see how much passion I'm putting into educating y'all. Oh no, they respected that up front. Mm-hmm. The boys, for sure. Like, granted, some of them had, <laughs> some of them had, you know, little things that we need to work on. But as a whole, the young men, their respect for me was different from any other teacher within Woodlawn and Carter G. I can say that. The young girls, I'm gonna say this at first. The girls did not like me because I wasn't, you know, talking like this. I wasn't doing mm-hmm. no, you know, I wasn't the stereotypical <laughs> black woman. Mm-hmm. I was stern. I was strict. But I'm going to talk to you in a way where you can understand I'm, I'm speaking your language. I'm not going to talk down on you as if I'm better than you because at the end of the day, I'm still a student myself. I can learn just as much from you as just, just like you're learning so, a lot of things from me. So with that, it was just. It was heartwarming. It was very heartwarming. The day that I quit working for um, Woodlawn was the day my students told me, Miss Red, you are the only teacher who really believed in us. Wow. That made me, that made me like tear up. Like, wow, are you serious? She said, yeah, like no other teacher took the time to get to know us. No other teacher took the time to figure out what we, no other teacher took the time to build a, a curriculum build a lesson plan for us so that way we can learn to value ourselves better and she was in seventh grade and she said this wow so my whole thing is do y'all not see how smart these kids are stop stop pushing them off as if they're not intelligent stop pushing them off as if they're incompetent because they're not they watch and see and hear everything y'all act like they don't hear y'all talking bad about them behind their back but they really do hear that and they really take note of who supports them and who doesn't so I, I, I just know that I did my due, due, due diligence. My birthday's coming up and my st- students to this day are saying, Miss Red, how are we going to celebrate your birthday? <laughs> I was like, oh, so cute. That was so cute. Like, that's just, yeah. I just love it. I just love it. That's awesome. 
And it sounds like you're an extraordinary influencer in their lives who have been some extraordinary influencers in your life. Indeed. Indeed. Most definitely. I love, I love every single student I've had the blessing to come across. Even the students who gave me a hard time, it still taught me something, you know, like, mm -hmm. okay, this student requires more patience. This student requires more one-on-one -on -one time, like, and that's okay. You know, everybody learns differently. Everybody adapts differently. So it just, it just really taught me something like I'm meant to be an educator. I just know that. Mm -hmm. And you said going into that school, you changed up the curriculum and everything. How did you know you couldn't settle for the status quo, but instead to strive for excellence? I knew this when I looked at their reading and writing skills. Oftentimes I would have them read off the instructions that I uh, created for them. Oftentimes I would have them um, like read a page from a book that we had set for class and just seeing, hearing how they struggled to read the words off the paper, it was mm -hmm. an issue. So at this point, I'm like, okay, well, every single day, I don't care that this is a dance class. Mm -hmm. This is more than a dance class. This is a performing arts class. So that means you're learning how to publicly speak. You're learning how to publicly read. You're learning how to publicly address and approach every single thing. Because at the end of the day, people are always watching. Regardless mm -hmm. if you think that they are not, people are always watching. So you need to know how to present yourself in front of people. I made sure that any opportunity that they had, oh, no, y'all reading this. Any opportunity that we had, no, you're going to write this on the board because your penmanship says a lot about you. How you read says a lot about you. How you encode information says a lot about you. And we're not going to let allow you guys to be the status quo, so this is how we're going to change it. And when I was correct, like when I had the students write me essays or write me papers, and I'm correcting them, like, no, this doesn't go here. This punctuation doesn't go here. A lot of teachers was just letting them go past. No, you're going to get an F on this paper because it's not grammar grammatically correct. Sorry, not sorry. Do it again. Mm -hmm. And people got mad. Parents got mad. I had to deal with so many angry parents, and it's just like, okay, are you teaching your child this at home? All right, then like, leave me alone. Mm -hmm. I'm doing my job that nice. you are like doing. So that's whatever. No, that's good. You did the right thing. And through all that, what has been the biggest surprise of adulthood so far? The biggest surprise of adulthood for me is that what really what really is the difference between adulthood and childhood versus the fact of finances should be better. Because like when you think of politics, a child can be tried as an adult. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. How can be tried as that? When you think of um, social status. A child can damn near raise their siblings as an adult. A child mm -hmm. can provide for their siblings as an like acting as a, an adult. Mm -hmm. When you think of um, education, a child can act as an adult as far as teaching their younger siblings how to move around. So like the the whole term of adulthood that's just is just very weird to me. Um, I feel like maybe I have a little bit more freedom to do certain things, but I still feel like a child in a sense where I'm exploring the world for the first time. Mm -hmm. I'm able to have more independence on the things that I want to do. Um, so to answer your question in that way, I would say you said the most surprising thing I've had to do as an adult, right? 
Mm-hmm. I would say that's a very hard question. Um, man, I would just say that the freedom that I can do more with my business. That's, mm-hmm. that, that would be a good response to that. Just because as a child, I had my own business, but I wasn't able to move how I wanted to move until I got to the age that I, I am now, where I'm able to go to meetings by myself. I'm able yeah. to conduct phone calls by myself. I'm able to make transactions by myself. I'm able to have more freedom and more um, independence to make decisions by myself mm-hmm. versus a child had to go through mom in order to do it. So, mm-hmm. um, and knowing that I am responsible for those decisions, I'm responsible for every business transaction, I'm responsible for every um, contract that I sign, I'm responsible for that. That made me understand, like, okay, well, I have to be very particular with my words. I have to be very particular with my time, and I have to be very particular with that. Um, which leads me to also understanding, like, you know, as kids growing up, when you're thinking that our parents have all the energy in the world, I, I I apologized to my mom the other day about giving her a hard time because <laughs> I expected her to have so much energy and so much time, but understanding what you have to go through today as far as working a job full mm-hmm. time, yep. then trying to still be a mother and a father to your kids mm-hmm. on top of still trying to do things that you want to do, still trying to have a friend circle. That's that's very difficult. That's mm-hmm. very difficult. I don't have kids, and I'm still struggling with my friend circle, like trying yeah. to make sure that I'm still with my friends. You know, so um, just time management. I can say that's a big deal too, as far as adulthood, understanding that. Yeah. Well, speaking on time management, I don't want to keep you for too long. I know you had a crazy day, but um, are there any books, podcasts, or learning resources you recommend at the moment? Yes, I just told this to the audience for the other podcast that I was on. So it's this book called, um, it's like 31 Daily Affirmations. Let me go uh, pick it up really quickly. It is called, oh, this is my year, 31 Daily Affirmations by Tony A. Gaskins Jr. It gives you like, it's literally 31 pages. And each page is about a day within the month that you can look over and read the affirmation. It's nice. really, really cool. And another book I recommend is called Limitless by Jim Quick. It teaches you how to encode information faster and better. It teaches you how to read faster. Um, it teaches you how to just move through life intellectually a lot better. I really love the book. Awesome. That's great. And we're going to end on this question. Well, it's a two-parter. If there is one thing you could ask your future self, what would it be? And if there's one thing you could tell your high school self, what would it be? One thing I would ask my future self would be what my bank account looking like. Hey. <laughs> and one thing that I would tell my future self from right now would be Hey, your bank account finna be popping. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I guess that works. Yeah, you know, period. Like we 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 catching the bag. We catching the bag. That's that's all that's happening. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Well, 
thank you for coming on today. That was amazing. Wish we could have you on longer, but it's all good. You dropped a lot of gold. And before you, yeah, it's awesome. And before you go, just want to encourage you that you're a good person and you're a great cousin. And I believe that you're like a protector for those who need help and that you get to be a safe haven for those who need it, especially as said through all that you've said today. And uh, Scott is at the center of your life. Everything else is just going to keep flourishing and thriving. So yeah, keep at it. You're extraordinary. I appreciate you. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it a lot. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. And anything you want to promote before we head off? Tune in. Follow your girl at Mari Red underscore. That's M-A-R-I-R-E-D-D underscore. You're going to see all the content that I have as far as dance, music related, modeling related, acting related, production related, film related. You're going to see every single thing. So just follow your girl and keep in tune. You know what I'm saying? Get with the movement. Awesome. Yeah, it's a great follow, people. You might as well follow it. Mari Red. Oh, underscore Mari Red. I-G. But um, yeah, thanks for coming on and have a great night. Thank you, cousin. Appreciate you. Love you. Yeah, you too. And for everyone else, as we're maturing, we're going to keep learning, stirring up, and chasing after what our creator created us to do. So have a good one, everyone. Peace. Thanks for sticking around for the Catch Up After College podcast. And you know, while you're there, you might as well subscribe. Because we got some good content coming out every single week. Either Tuesday or Friday. Check in. It will be there. And you know what? Might as well give a good review as well. Make sure to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you can find us. And we'll just keep cranking out that great content for you week after week. If you know someone who would be a great guest for the show, the Catch Up After College podcast, or you just want to share some feedback, maybe there's some questions you haven't heard yet that you want to be heard, uh, I would tell you to email us at catchupaftercollege at gmail.com. Just for any inquiries, you can email us there, and we'll try to respond as soon as we can. That is catchupaftercollege at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you soon. Peace.